Hello everyone, and welcome to today's download. I hope everyone's had a lovely two weeks, despite the Mercury retrograde of it all. Um, I've had a nice time. Switching from the weekly rollouts to the fortnightly ones has definitely given me the time that I anticipated it would, and I'm definitely in, like, a much cheekier kind of space, mentally and temporally, in terms of producing this content for you all, which is good. Um... It's like 20 past 6, I'm just sitting in my room watching the sun go down, which is really nice. I've just had some coffee because I'm kind of pooped from the day I've had, and I'm excited to talk to you all about what I'm talking to you all about today. Um, so, with, as the new year kind of began, I was kind of like not cold per se, but I have this really intense feeling that I should start watching this one show that I was like really obsessed with back in high school and haven't really looked at or touched for a while in terms of like fandom stuff on the internet or whatever, or even just like rewatching it or anything like that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go back and I'm gonna binge watch the entire thing. Cause I've like, grown as a person since I watched it in, like, year nine, when I was, like, 14, and as, like, a writer and an artist, it would probably be really interesting to kind of see what something that was so pivotal to me and my development at that time has done for, like, my work and the way it is now. Um, that show was Once Upon a Time. It aired on ABC from, like, with the American ABC, not the Australian ABC, um, from, like, 2011 through 2017, 2018, I want to say. Um, yes, and as I was watching it, I kind of came to realise that the show, while not necessarily the most brilliantly written... excuse that awful interruption from that train just there um anyway while it may not be like the best the most exceptionally written television show in the world or have like the best visual effects for what it was um it's like it's a 101 kind of crash course the application of the principles I've talked about in earlier downloads to do with shadow work. Um, yes, I'm talking about shadow work again because it's really important and I think everyone could benefit from doing a little bit of it Um, cause like, 
what could go wrong and just like looking at the way you behave and being like maybe that's not the healthiest maybe I should do something different um maybe that comes from a place of pain from my past and I should address that Obviously, if you don't feel you're in a place to do that on your own, there's nothing wrong with seeking professional help. Um, A number of people who do shadow work in a spiritual sense often recommend to people just starting out that, like, going to therapy is, like, a very good idea and, like, a very good way to, like, get started slash take up a practice of, like, integrating one's shadow self. That being said, also, I'm not a psychological professional of any sort. Um, I'm a writer and a spiritualist, so I have experience with the way that people are and the way that they operate, but I don't have, like, scientific or medical-style training to be able to, like, tell you how to live your life with, like, an absolute degree of certainty. Which I also can't do because I'm talking to you through a podcast right now and I don't know the exactitude of your life and stuff like that. Um, So, yes. So, to recap... So, I've got some notes in front of me. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, like, recap shadow work, what it is, the shadow self, all those things, and then talk about once upon a time, the show, the premise... And then I'll just, like, get right into, like, the analysis of, um, excuse me, um, the journey of one particular character in the show that is, like, the masterclass. There are a couple of, like, other characters that I would definitely say go on, like, journeys to integrate their shadows, but this character is, like, the, she's the most prominent of the examples like she's in the show for the longest and has like the most screen time of them all and her journey is like the most drastic um and gradual so shadows the shadow self shadow work um the shadow self as we know if you've been around for a while but if you haven't that's fine i'm telling you now Um, is basically a psychological conglomeration of everything that societal constructs or the people around us have ever told us is not okay. Anything we've ever been ridiculed, bullied about or um, pressured into not doing or not being kind of coalesces into this kind of quote-unquote alter ego. Like, I wouldn't call it that specific... Like, that's not the correct term, but I can't think of, like, a better one in the present moment. Um, Every experience you've had that kind of boils down to experiencing feelings of rejection or embarrassment the shadow self takes it and goes we're going to use this information to make sure you don't end up in that situation again um the 
the phrase from like the research I've done that like keeps coming up in my head over and over again whenever I talk to people about shadow work is like first um I can't remember it now but it's like you're you are rejected and then you project like that rejection onto other people something like that anyway um basic what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make with that phrase I couldn't remember is that once somebody internalizes something through the lens of the shadow self the shadow self brings people like that and situations like those into your life over and over again so that you can deal with the wound and like figure out what's going on and not have things be that way anymore because things that are supposed to be dealt with consciously are pushed into the subconscious and the subconscious is like this isn't my job like I'm not here for this kind of logic reason based processing and so it's like we're just going to manifest situations that make you do it for us in the conscious sense and then just more repression happens and it's a vicious kind of cycle of pain repression the subconscious not knowing what to do with the information it's being given manifesting pain repression over and over again um and then shadow work is like the process of figuring out why these situations and these patterns of behavior exist where they come from the root of all of it and then just like unpicking it and being like i've been taught this is not the way to be this is why this is why it is either right or wrong and then accepting that the pain is a part of you and that there's nothing you can do to kind of get rid of it and like using the pain to like teach you a lesson rather than just like having it there as a weight to like carry around with you all the time it's like this pain taught me something I release like I release myself from suffering but I like take the lesson and I accept it and the fact that this is a thing that I experienced or that was done or said to me obviously I'm speaking in like a very generic sense about it there are kind of really rather drastic and intense traumas that probably couldn't and shouldn't be dealt with in like a solo kind of self-therapizing style experience like I'm describing and professional help should be sought for dealing with those sorts of things um apologies for the train once again I live across the street from like a train line and I'm within 500 meters of a train station, so that's kind of unavoidable, unfortunately. Okay. So we've recapped shadow work, shadow self, um, the Jungian psychological concept, things like that. Moving on to the TV show, Once Upon a Time. Um, basically, the show is about, like, if a bunch of fairy tale characters just go, like, picked up out of fairy tale land and plonked into a small town in um 
Maine, which is in the U.S. Um, I have no idea where Maine is. I just know that it's, like, near Boston and also New York. Um, because the characters go to Boston and New York a lot. Um, so I can tell you too much about it geographically. But it's just, like, a bunch of them get taken by this curse from the fairy tale land into the real world. Um, and they're, like, cursed to be there, separated from everyone and everything they love, and they don't remember who they were, and it's this whole crazy thing. And the main character, Emma Swan, is found by her, like, ten-year-old son and is brought back to the town because she's, like, destined to break the curse. Like, that's season one. Um, and then, like, things unfold from there through the next, like, six seasons after the first one. Um, just in case you hadn't figured it out by now, I should probably let you know that there are going to be, like, major spoilers for Once Upon a Time. Um, so if you've already watched it, congrats, we get to have, like, a cheeky, fun, in-depth discussion about a show we've both seen and hopefully both enjoy. Uh, and if you haven't watched it yet, you can stick around for the spoilers if you don't mind being a little bit spoiled. Um, and if you don't, I'll talk to you next time, I suppose. Um, if you do mind being spoiled, sorry, rather than don't mind. Um, I'll see you next time. Either way, whoever listens to this will have a cheeky little extra insight into the psychological situations going on inside this particular character's mind. Um, the curse is cast by the ten-year-old son, Henry, his adopted mother, Regina, who is the evil queen of Snow White fame back in the, like, fairy tale land. And she's the character I'm going to be talking about through all of this. So, like, from the moment we meet her, it's like, bam, evil queen. She casts this awful curse, ripping everyone from everything they've ever known and loved, making them forget who they are, and putting them in these situations that are, like, designed to psychologically and emotionally torture them. And honestly, iconic, not gonna lie. Um... Oh, I also meant to cover a couple of things about the show. It's very white and it's very heterosexual, which is low-key just a product of the time it was made in. Not that that's excusing it. I think there's all of five characters of colour and there are three queer women. If I remember correctly. Yes, there are three. Um, yep. So that's that. Um, and it's low-key, like, capitalist propaganda. Like, all of... And, um, like, pro-police. A little bit. Um, just in case you, like, didn't know anything about it or interested in watching it. Just as, like, a disclaimer. Because, like, all the main characters, for the most part, are of, like, a royal bloodline. So they're all, like, the bourgeoisie and then 
like two or three of the main characters are also like on the sheriff's department and they're all like there's all like knights and heroes and boop ba ba things going on and it just it feels very like pro police in a way that isn't compatible with like the modern sentiment surrounding law enforcement so just as like little warnings if you're like going into the show with like fresh eyes after this or anything like that so as I said from the very minute the show begins it's like Regina is the bad guy like she is the evil queen she is the baddest of the baddies like she's not to be trusted in any sense she is irredeemable she is of the blackest of souls because of the things she's done and all that sort of stuff um and as I kind of said Emma is destined to break the curse which she does at the end of season one and season two is kind of like her having to deal Regina having to deal with the aftermath of that and over the course of that season she decides that she wants to like change and be a better person for her son Henry who throughout season one she tried to convince was insane for believing that everyone in the town was a fairy tale character even though they actually are. Um, and just, like, he believes in her and she doesn't want to lose him or anything like that. Um, so she decides that, like, she wants to change for him, which is really just sweet. Um, and so once she makes that decision to kind of escape her shadow being the evil queen um it's like when I speak about the evil queen I'm speaking about her as like a separate entity almost to Regina which will make sense kind of later down the line um and like the evil queen is the shadow self and Regina is like the ego or the conscious mind at least when I'm speaking here um so yeah, once Regina decides to step away from the evil queen, because up until this point, she's kind of been consumed by her shadow because she's endured so much ridicule, so much hatred, so much pain, so much heartache that it's easier for her to kind of just like dive into her subconscious and allow it to just like take care of everything it's like I'm not gonna take responsibility for anything that's going on I'm just going to act purely on instinct which comes from again the subconscious mind so the subconscious becomes conscious and kind of just lets loose and makes Regina's darkest impulses are reality just on a whim because she can because she has magic and she's a member of the ruling class um and she's like set out on revenge against Snow White for a thing that she 
did to her that caused her first love to die. Um, yes, so once she decides to become something other than what her subconscious mind has learnt is the way of things and just the way we behave and this is what we do and this is how the show runs. Um, situations and people continue to like rear their heads or come into her life where she is consistently forced to go against her instincts in order to protect the relationship she has with her son and the trust that she's built with the adults who are like also responsible for him because he's like only like 10 or 11 when the show starts so there's also emma his birth mother and then her parents snow white and prince charming it's all very convoluted in terms of like family trees and things like that but when you like watch the show it makes sense which yeah it's just a bit of a mind-boggling situation from time to time this show in terms of like how characters know each other and things like that um so yes her shadow manifests over and over again putting her in situations where her pain like looks her directly in the face and demands it be addressed um and while she does begin to make better choices um and is less quote-unquote evil her life doesn't seem to improve in the way she wants it to like over the courses of seasons two three and four even five she's making really good choices she's put the evil queen aside and is being regina and is opening herself emotionally to the people around her that you know she cares for and that care for her and it's doing her a great deal of benefit in terms of how easy life is for her like her time as the evil queen was very difficult for her psychologically and emotionally because she was so isolated from everyone around her like she had one friend maleficent and then her father was with her all the time and like her magic mirror and that was about it like she didn't really have people and the people she did have were either scared of her or willing to egg on her darker impulses which isn't helpful when trying to move forward on that like integration journey like psychological healing isn't really possible when you're in an environment that encourages you to behave in the way you've always behaved um yeah so as i said it's really not until midway through season six that things begin to like work themselves out for regina um this is where the part about me talking about the evil queen and regina separately makes sense this is about to be one of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard if you know nothing about this show um people who have watched this show will know exactly what i'm about to talk about so at the end of season five um dr jekyll and mr hyde are like introduced into the show and there's like the serum obviously that like turns dr jekyll into mr hyde if you're aware of the story of the curious case of dr jekyll and mr hyde um dr jekyll like drinks this potion and then he turns into mr hyde for i think it's like overnight 
or until Mr. Hyde goes to sleep and then he wakes up again as himself, Dr. Jekyll. Um, the writers of Once Upon a Time kind of take this and turn it into a thing of the potion turns you into, like, the darker version of yourself. Um, yes. So, Dr. Jekyll perfects a serum that allows him to physically separate himself from Mr. Hyde. Um, and while... For reasons that are too convoluted to get into, a group of the main characters and Dr. Jekyll have to escape from Mr. Hyde back into the fictional town, like the town in Maine, where they were all cursed to from another realm. Um, he takes some of the serum with him that, like, separated him from Mr. Hyde as they kind of skedaddle. Regina then uses this at the very end of season five, like the final episode, I believe, to physically separate herself from her inner darkness, her shadow self, the evil queen. Um, because up until this point, she's merely been repressing it rather than trying to integrate. And Young tells us that the shadow self cannot be ignored, it cannot be destroyed, it cannot be pushed down, away, or into, like, a little box where it just stays and doesn't do anything. Um... The point of being aware of one's shadow self and integrating one's shadows isn't about getting rid of the shadow self or destroying it or defeating it. It's about integrating it and accepting it as a part of you and showing it compassion and empathy because it is you. Like, your conscious mind, your ego, the story you tell yourself about who you are and what you do and how your life is can't exist without the shadow self because the ego doesn't have anything to bounce off if the shadow isn't there. So it's once the two are, like, combined with each other and working in harmony that you're able to, like, hit the nail on the head of, like, your truest self kind of thing. Um, but yes, back... That tangent was good, but back to the point of what I'm talking about. Regina physically separates herself from the evil queen because she feels that that is the only way to, like truly have her life change and have things go in the way she wants them to to get her like quote-unquote happy ending because again it's like a fairy tale show about fairy tale people um so yes she separates herself from the evil queen tez takes her heart takes the evil queen's heart out with her magic and crushes it and the evil queen dissolves and it's like oh she's defeated her shadow but tristan you said that's not a thing and that's not how shadow work operates quite right my friend quite right because it is revealed early season six that the evil queen did not die actually it's like the very end of the finale of season five i think it's revealed that the evil queen did not die and she's still alive and kicking and a baddie um, in both the colloquial and literal sense of like she a bad bitch and she's literally like a bad person um, by like fairy tale standards and I mean murdering entire villages is pretty bad people behavior Yes. 
So in that event, that separation is kind of the progression she's made over seasons two through five. Yeah, it's all of that kind of boiling to a head and being... It's like the manifestation of Regina's dissatisfaction with the fact, with the idea that her emotional journey that she's been on over, like, those five seasons wasn't enough to, like, fix her life, quote-unquote. Um, just so many psychological and emotional reckonings to do with her mother's abuse, the loss of her first love... Um, finding out she had a sister, all of these different things, losing her second love, just all this pain and all this suffering that she was told that if she changed and became a better person, wouldn't be a thing anymore. And so in a way she feels cheated and in another way she's just desperate for this internal war to be over because she knows the evil queen could come back at any minute if the wrong thing happens and so she's like the only way to get rid of her the only way to keep everyone safe is to destroy her um which she doesn't succeed in doing Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes quickly. So, the Evil Queen, Regina and the gang kind of go back to Storybrook, the town in Maine, where they all got cursed to, and the Evil Queen, like, rolls up. And is like, hi, hello, I'm back, you didn't kill me. And she's like, I'm here to destroy you since you want to destroy me so bad. And... The first half of season six is entirely about this conflict between Regina and her shadow self, the Evil Queen. And it is so juicy and delectable. And it kind of, as this conflict finishes, um, the Evil Queen pretty much provides her with an ultimatum. It's like, this person you love dies, or you come here and you face me and I kill you. Um, Because for a time, again, more convoluted show mythology stuff, um, up until that point in time, they were unable to physically harm each other without them also incurring harm because they're technically the same person, but because they acquired the shears of fate, which belonged to the three Greek fates in order to, like, cut the thread of destiny or whatever, um, the evil queen was able to separate herself from Regina, and so they were able to, like, have a sword fight and actually make an attempt to kill each other. Um, Regina defeats the evil queen, like, she wins the sword fight, um, takes her out of heart, and is about to crush it, and this is the good bit, this is, like, this is the integration moment, that's why I'm telling you about this. Um, she has, Regina has her shadow self's heart in her hand and is, like, about to crush it, um, killing the evil queen and technically defeating her shadow self. And it's revealed in that episode as well through a series of flashbacks that during the time 
Regina was the evil queen. She was the person that she hated most in the entire world, despite the fact that she constantly projected that it was Snow White for this betrayal that she had um, committed against her years ago. And that's why she's seeking revenge against her. Um, And she, like, enchants Cupid's arrow to instead of taking her to the person she loves most to the person she hates most and she ends up looking in a mirror um during the sword fight with the evil queen a mirror breaks and regina like sees her reflection in the mirror the broken shards on the floor and instead of seeing like her in that exact moment she sees the her that was looking in the mirror during the flashback it makes more sense when you're like looking at it visually but i hope you kind of grasp what it is i'm saying um Yes, so Regina has the Evil Queen's heart in her hand and the Evil Queen is like magically pinned against a wall and she looks at Regina and she says, I hate you. With And obviously it's like vicious and raw and brutal in a way that me just saying the words wasn't. And it's heartbreaking, pardon the pun. Um, yeah, and then Regina looks down and she sees the reflection of her from the past in the shattered mirror on the floor and she looks back up at the evil queen and says but I don't meaning that she doesn't hate the evil queen which my friends is the point of shadow work continuing with the kind of recap of the scene so she takes out her own heart and you like see them and the evil queen's heart is almost completely blackened it's full of darkness and regina's heart is bright and radiant and full of light and she kind of like puts them like has them touch each other and some of the darkness from the evil queen's heart goes into regina's and some of the light from regina's heart goes into the evil queen's like they have a little energy exchange that right there is the like that is a physical manifestation of the integration of one's shadow self There's a battle. The shadow tells the conscious mind that it hates it because the conscious self is the reason the shadow self exists. Like, the conscious self goes, nope, I'm not dealing with this. Shadow, you take it. And so the shadow is like, why do you keep giving me all this gunk, all this trash, all this pain and sorrow? Fuck you. And the ego is like, well, I have too many conscious mind things to do, so fuck you too, bitch. Um, excuse the language. I've had coffee and I'm impassioned. Um, so yes, there's the battle between the conscious mind and the shadow self. They realize one or both, well, the conscious realizes that they are nothing without the subconscious. And even though the subconscious is lashing out and bringing all of this low-key harm into the path of the conscious mind. The conscious mind comes to understand that the only way to stop this quote-unquote suffering, for lack of a better term, is to embrace the shadow and relinquish it of some of its burdens through conscious mind processing. Um, And so that 
that realization and that need to lighten the load of the shadow self is manifested quite specifically in that energy exchange between the evil queen and Regina's hearts. Um, yes. Sorry, I'm just checking my notes again. Um, yeah. So. And you kind of see same but different things go on with other characters like Zelina, who in like the fairy tale land is like the Wicked Witch of the West from the Wizard of Oz, and a character by the name of Ingrid, who is like the Snow Queen. There's like a whole frozen storyline in the first half of season four, which is. Actually, Ingrid's probably one of my favorite characters in the entire show, um, besides Regina. Like, you don't watch this show for the heroes. That's kind of why I made those stipulations about, like, the heroes all kind of being cops and the bourgeoisie, because it's, like, they're all super... Most of them are, like, super annoying, and they're all just making speeches about hope and resilience. And it's like, yes, that's inspiring, but you make, like they don't really have too drastic a character arc or like any um psychological emotional or spiritual development as the show goes on except for emma who just has like issues with vulnerability whereas ingrid zelina regina um cora all these f female villains specifically, there is, like, there are a couple of male villains, but they don't really change at all throughout the show either. But the women all go through these drastic emotional battles over time, and, like, that's why you stay. That's why you watch the show. And it's, like, it kind of proves the, it kind of proves mine and Young's point about how the conscious, like, about how without the shadow self, like, meh. Like, what is a person without a shadow self? Like, it's just... Which isn't to say that, like, people deserve their trauma or anything. It's just that, like, our pain makes us who we are, and to repress that pain is to deny the truth of who we are as people. And to see people kind of grapple with that truth and come to understand it and to love it regardless of the harm it's caused them or the people they love is delicious. Absolutely delicious. Um, so that was basically a 40 minute plug for Shadow Work and Once Upon a Time. Uh, if you want to know more about Shadow Work more specifically, I have a download about that a bunch of episodes back you can grab a look at. Um, if you want to figure out what the heck I'm talking about in terms of Once Upon a Time, and it's very convoluted plot points, you can go watch the show. Um, and it gets on Disney Plus. Because it's because the American ABC is owned by Disney, so it should be there. Um, I'm not sure. Because I don't have Disney Plus. 
anyway, that was a nice, fun, cheeky chat. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I like this format I've come up with where I just, like, do a couple pages of notes and I just kind of talk through them and I let my brain go where it needs to go in order to, like, get the point out to you all. So, I hope you like this kind of new way of doing things. If you have anything you'd like to hear me rant about for a period of time, you can let me know by messaging me at the.intuitive.co on Instagram. You can also find our weekly one-card readings that I do, like, for each sign once a week. Um, I call it Card of the Week. So, like, each Zodiac sign gets a one-card reading for what their week has in store for them. I also sell, you can also book personal readings with me through that or our website, www.trainhorn, no, um, www.theintuitiveco.weebly.com. Um, through there, you can also order our intuitive journals, which are these really beautiful books that I make collages on and then um, enchant with some sigil magic and send to you uh, to wherever you may be. Um, yes. That is everything. That is all the plugging I have to do. Um, I love you. I love you. Have I told you that? I love you. Um, yes. You have all my love and all my gratitude, and I will see you next time.